Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Wow, thank you. That's a lot to live up to. I don't know, I'm kind of nervous now. How's everybody doing? Well, good morning. My name is Matt, and I'm from Iowa. Anybody here from Iowa? Raise your hand. Anybody? All right, nobody. One guy. God bless you. Go Hawkeyes. Go Hawkeyes? Oh. When I say Iowa, you say what? You say it really loud. I say Iowa, you say? Okay. In the first service, somebody yelled out potatoes. Did anybody do that? Yeah, everybody. That's Idaho. There's no potatoes in Iowa. So I brought my toolkit with me. I want to unpack how to use some tools here. The title to the message this morning is How to Fix Your Spouse. Does anybody here know of a spouse who needs fixed? Raise your hand. You know of a spouse. Be bold. You know of a spouse. Yeah, yeah. Don't point at them. It's embarrassing. And if you're here this morning, you're a young one. You're a young child. Maybe you're a teenager. Maybe you're not married yet. I want you to stay tuned in. Because marriage is right around the corner, it's closer than you think, and, and I want to specifically speak to you this morning, if you're young, and, and so please, don't check out, I know it's a, you know, it's a message on marriage, <laughs> whatever, but to you it's like, what does that mean? So stay tuned in. But maybe you're here this morning and you're widowed, or you've been divorced and you're never to marry again. Listen, I don't want you to check out either. The reason is because God's going to send you someone, and God's probably sent you someone right now who wants out of their marriage. They're going to come to you for hope and, and answers and, 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 and advice, and I want you to be ready. And of course, if you're married, happy, sad, glad, or mad, this message is for you. And so, yeah, I brought my tools, and, and i got to tell you, before I dive into any of those things or even the Scripture, you know, I have to really be honest, I don't have a perfect marriage. There's no such thing. We're all flawed. Did you know that? You came in the room this morning with flaws and issues. So look at the person right next to you right now and say this to them. Just say it right to their face. You're not perfect. Just tell them. I know it hurts. And if you're sitting by yourself this morning, you're lucky. We're not perfect. We're flawed. I have flaws. You have flaws. We all have issues. I brought my issues right into marriage. I had them before I met Pam, and I'll have more as time goes on. And my wife, she's beautiful, she's smart, she's strong-willed. Raise your hand if you married a strong-willed woman this morning. Just keep it up. I want to look around the room. Awesome. Let's just pray right now. Lord, no. (laughs) I love a strong-willed woman. I was drawn to Pam when I met her, and I saw this strength, and I you know, she's not afraid to speak her mind and to, and to, and to have an opinion, and I loved it. it. It drew me to her, just like a bug is drawn to a zapper. <laughs> the light is so pretty. It's so warm. <laughs> and I'm a strong-willed guy, and I want to unpack some of those things this morning. Just like after the first day we got married, I remember I loaded all of our furniture her furniture, I'm sorry, up into a trailer. So she lived in a condo. I lived in a house. We're going to move her stuff into our house after getting married. And I pulled up, and, and you know, Pam's super organized and detailed, and she had it all laid out. And, 
and all of her furniture was wrapped and protected. And, and I remember, you know, it's probably even alphabetized knowing her in order. And I remember her, her saying, now, Matt, let's put it all in the trailer. And, and then we loaded it, and she put her hands right on my shoulders, and she's, she's like, now, Matt, when we drive across town, drive slow. And then she climbed in the trailer and put her arms around her furniture so nothing would get damaged. Is this normal? I don't know. So I'm driving across town, a very busy area, just like here, and, and all of a sudden, you know, and I'm tooling around, and she's in the back in the trailer, crouched down, and all of a sudden I saw a Taco Bell, and I got hungry for a taco. And for about 15 seconds, I completely forgot she was back there. And the light right at the intersection turned yellow. Guys, when a light turns yellow, what do you do? Yell it out. You gun it. And I gunned it. And then I whipped the truck to the left and whip it to the right, right into Taco Bell, and the trailer completely became disconnected, and it passed me. <laughs> she didn't even know it. She was crouched down, and she whizzes by, and I yell out the window, Pam, hold on! And that trailer slammed right into Taco Bell. So she gets out, and then I get out, and we exchanged words. <laughs> and then I go in and get three tacos and a Mountain Dew, and I'm like, man, I worked up an appetite. We hooked it all back up, and we, we go home. And that's how we started our marriage issues. I had many before we got married, and I still have some, and I'm working it out. How about you? And often when there's tension in marriage and there's relationship issues, and by the way, even if you're young right now, you're learning how to manage broken and hurting relationships or friendships or a school teacher or a brother or a sister that just irritates you or a mom or a dad or a teacher. We learn young, don't we? We learn young how to fix other people. And if you haven't caught on yet, you can't fix your spouse. You shouldn't even try. You really can't fix other people. But we spend a lifetime trying, don't we? The first tool that we grab when we're upset or we're hurt or we're wounded, the first tool that we grab to fix is the hammer, anger. We grab it. It's a choice. I've never gotten angry and went, whoopsie, it slipped. No, it was a decision that I made. It was calculated. It was quick, but I grabbed it on purpose. Anger. I look back at my life at every time I've used this tool, whether it was on Pam or a friend or, or in school or whoever, and I've got to be honest with you that this tool has never yielded one good thing in my life. I can't think of one time as I play back the video. I've tried to fix situations with my anger. doesn't work. And so I'm guilty. How about you? Another tool that we can often grab when we're, when we're wounded or we're upset, or maybe your, your spouse is disrespectful, guys. Maybe she's disrespectful to you, or maybe, ladies, he's unloving at times. So we grab this little tool called a screwdriver. Or maybe you have a friend at school that's really bothering you, and you're, you're a really good friend. And I call this manipulation. It's like a little tool of manipulation. It's like, I'm going to act in a way where I'm going to get what I want. I'll quit talking to you. I'll manipulate. I'll, I'll, I'll pull back. I'll shut down. I'll go cold. I'll show you what it feels like to touch an iceberg. I'll punish you with my silence. I'll manipulate. Maybe you're automatically affectionate like I am, and I like to hold Pam's hand. I, I, I like affection. 
And there's been times early in my marriage, I didn't even know I was doing this, but I would be upset with her, and that affection was gone. It was right out the window. I'd, I'll show her. It was subconscious, yet it was a decision. A manipulator. And I'm guilty. How about you? Another little tool that we often use, I don't have very many more, is a little handsaw. You can't quite see it from where you're sitting, but it's got little fine teeth here. And, and, and I call this just simply words of criticism or words of, of hurtful words of contempt. Finish this quote for me. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never... That's a lie. Bruises go away. Your bones heal. But often we use words that hurt someone for a lifetime. Words matter, the Bible says. Words have a power. Words can build. Words can heal. Words can also destroy. The Bible says that man can't tame the tongue. We can't stop ourselves from using words that are hurtful. Why is it that we use the, the worst words? We reserve the worst words possible for those that we love the most. We would never speak to a stranger often to the, uh, like what we say to someone that we love. Words. I could interview every single one of you right now. I could find a time in your life that somebody spoke words into you and it made you feel like there was no ocean you couldn't swim and no mountain you couldn't climb. Words had that power of encouragement. But equally, I could interview you and find a time where someone hurt you. There have been times in my marriage I was upset with Pam and, and the words rolled off my tongue so quickly and I, I had no time delay between my frustration and my mouth. And the words just came out too quick. And I knew they would sting and I knew they would hurt and they hit their target. I'll fix her, I'll fix him. I'll let him have it. And then the damage is done. And I'm guilty. How about you? I only have two more. This is kind of like a guide tool, I think. Ladies, you can struggle with this too. But I don't like, always, I don't like what I hear. I don't like what Pam has to say. It could be the truth, and maybe I don't want the truth. Maybe I'm not ready for it. And so I use this tool to fix her, to fix the situation. Earplugs, I tune her out. I'm like, okay, whatever, I'll just put it in the earplugs. And lastly, have you ever thought about all the ways you could fix somebody with duct tape? I look at duct tape a couple different ways. I kind of look at it like fighting for power and for control. The Bible says early on with Adam and Eve when they fell to sin that one of the curses upon them is that Eve would fight for, it says the word fight for, she would wrestle for Adam's position. And some scholars think that that's where it began with, with a woman and the man's role being tension. This tension between the husband and the wife, the role that we fill. It all started with the fall of man. And sometimes I want to use duct tape to silence my wife. I'm like, ha, I'll fix you. Come on. Come here, Pam. Get a little closer. Come on. I want to. And the truth is I need duct tape, but not for her. What I want you to do this morning, young or old, married or not, is I want you to be thinking about all these tools, and I want you to, to look closely in the mirror. Look at your life. What habits do you have? And here it is. Who are you when you're hurt? Who are you when you're upset? Who are you when you're wounded? Because that's who you really are. The real Matt shows up when he's hurt. 
My character is exposed. My faith is exposed. The real me is exposed. And I want you to look at these tools as as a sin nature. I have a very unique thumbprint, a very unique fingerprint of sin, if you will. When I'm angry or I'm hurt, this is my tendency. I tend to grab one of these things. And I started when I was a child, and I brought that into my marriage, and I'm trying to fix Pam. And I want you to know that every single time that you grab one of your tools, your flesh tools, it's almost like out loud I'm saying to God, hey, God, I don't need you. I got this. I got, I got plenty of tools, God. I don't need you. These tools have never done one good thing in my life. And my guess is they've not done you any good either. I was on my knees praying one night early in my marriage, frustrated with Pam, and I was praying to the Lord. I'm like, God, what is it with her? What is it with women, Lord? I don't understand them at all. And God said, Matt, put your tools down and get out of my way. He said, put your tools down and get out of my way. Quit using your tools on Pam. I want you to grab this this morning, whether you're uh, you're a wife or a husband, that when you use your tools on your spouse, it hurts their heart. And God's like, Matt, you're wounding your wife, and her heart now is growing hardened. I don't know if you've ever studied that in Scripture, but all throughout Scripture it talks about to beware of a hardened heart. Do not let my heart go hardened, because what happens is the wall that my wife could build the wall that your husband could build, it not only now separates you from her or you from him, it separates them from God. And God said, Matt, because of you, Pam's heart is now tuning me out. You're in my way. It was life-changing for my marriage. I can't fix her. Who am I that I would ever avenge myself? Who am I that I would take God's role at fixing my wife? How shameful, how immature. It's time for me to grow up. God, I'm sorry. I'll get out of your way. Matter of fact, God said, Matt, I've been working with Pam for years. I got your wife in my hands. Matt, I've got her on my timetable. Do you ever think about that? That God has your spouse on his timetable, on his timing. I just need to get out of his way. And if this is true for me and it's true for you this morning, then what can I do? What are my recourses? What is the formula? What things can I do that are proactive and that are beneficial? Well, I'm glad you asked. If you've got your Bibles, open them up this morning to 2 Chronicles 7.14. 2 Chronicles 7.14, it's in the Old Testament. It's about two-thirds, or I'm sorry, about a third into the Bible if you're looking for it. 2 Chronicles 7.14. This passage is not specifically a passage on marriage, but I want to connect the dots for you this morning. Before we read it, let me go back in history. God, in Hosea chapter 2, and in many other places in Scripture, refers to us, Israelites and all those who believe in Him and Jesus, He refers to us as His wife. God's the husband, we're the bride. He uses that vernacular. He uses it many, many times. We're in a covenant. We're in a marriage relationship with God. And in Hosea chapter 2, God explains how we, as a people, have cheated on God with other false gods. And so the marriage is now broken. The covenant, we've broken it. 
And God then gives us a formula on how to restore it, on how to fix the marriage between us and him. And I thought, man, if that formula works to restore myself to God, I'll bet it would work in my marriage to Pam. And you know what? It does. And here's what he says in 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, that's us who are called by my name, would do three things. I will heal you, I will restore you, and I will bring you back into this covenant that I made with you and you made with me. He said, if you would humble yourself and pray and seek my face and turn from your own, look at me for a second, just for a second. He said, if you would humble yourself and seek me and turn from your own wicked ways. When I first read that years ago, when I made, uh, formed this message, I, I read that word wicked. I'm like, ah, God's not talking to me. Uh, wicked. I'm not wicked. I'm a good guy. I go to church on Sunday. I read my Bible. I pray. I'm a Christian. He's talking about wicked people. That's not me. That scripture's not for me. And then the Lord kind of whispered in my ear. He's like, Matt, every time you use this, it's wicked. Hey, Matt, every time you go cold on Pam or you pull away or you use any of your tools, wicked and then I was like wow he's talking to me I want to bring you to the next word I think it's powerful he says turn from your own wicked ways then then is a magnificent word you'll often find in scripture the word then and if are nearby each other it is a word of condition he starts by saying if if my people would do these three things. And I also want to lay out to you a chronological order here that God's healing doesn't just accidentally fall out of the sky. You don't wake up one day and have a great marriage accidentally. God says, if you would start here, humble yourself, then seek me, then when you can, we can turn from your ways, and then he goes, then I will hear from heaven, forgive you, and there's this beautiful word, that if we were all being honest this morning, we all need desperately. I would heal your land. I would heal your heart. Some of you men have been deeply wounded by your parents or your spouse, and God says, I'll heal that. I'll remove that wound so you can live to your fullest, so you can love those who are unlovable. Or ladies, you've been deeply wounded. God says, I can heal that if, we do these three things. So what I want to do this morning is unpack these three things even deeper. He starts by saying the first step, always the first step to healing, always the first step to a, re a restored marriage, a restored friendship, or if, if I have a, a, a strained relationship with my mom or my dad or whomever, God says, Matt, start with this, humble yourself. I'm like, oh my, oh God, would you have just given me an easier one? Why did you start with this? It's the hardest thing. It's really hard to be humble. You've heard the song, right? But it's a hundred times harder to be humble when you're wounded. It's impossible, right? It seems impossible. And it is impossible without the Holy Spirit. But God says, hey, just get down on your knees, Matt. Start with you. 
Start looking in the mirror. Get on your knees. What could you have done different? Where has your attitude uh, been affected? And I've seen this once. I've seen it a thousand times. Where somebody gets wounded by someone else, whether it's a mom or a dad or a parent or someone wounded me, somebody hurt me, and I've spoken to hundreds of people who've been abused, and it's horrible, and I'm sorry for all of that. But here's what often happens. If we don't take it to Jesus, then we become an issue, and we start to wound other people. God says, humble yourself. I get that you've been wounded, but be humble. It's powerful. The word humble or humility is found over 88 times in Scripture. If I were teaching a child, one of the top characteristics to chase after that God honors and God favors as God favored King David, I would say, for some reason, being humble is the number one characteristic that God just pours out his blessings into your life. I also think it can be the hardest to obtain. Oh God, that you would help me be humble. Oh God, that you would break me. Oh God, that I would never become arrogant and prideful. That's why he favored King David. Romans chapter 12 says, don't ever repay anybody with evil. Don't repay evil with evil. Be careful to do what is right. If possible, as far as it is, it says live at peace. And here it is. Do not take revenge. Leave room for God's response. It is written. God says it is mine to avenge. It is his to deal with the person or persons who've hurt you. It is God who will deal with that. It gets tougher. He says in the very next verse, he says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If your wife who hurts you deeply and she's so disrespectful hurts you, feed her. If she's thirsty, give her drink. Love her anyway. I want you to know that your love for someone will always be exposed during the harder times, not the better times. If you really want to prove your love for someone, your mom, your dad, your spouse, your sibling, is when they hurt you. Love them anyway. Give them heaven. See what God not only does to your heart, but see what he does to them. And in doing this, it says, you'll heap burning coals on their head, not to hurt them, but to help them. And don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Not easy. So how? How do I do this, God? How do I be humble? And I got a few quick things. Number one, I like to get an accountability partner. I meet with three or four guys every week. We dive deep into life together. It's humbling. It's a humble thing for me to share with these guys every week my ups and downs and my, my struggles and my temptations. But these guys challenge me to be the husband God called me to be. Take a long, hard look in the mirror. Fear God. Look at changes I can make. Never return fire with fire. A humble man uses duct tape on himself. He bites his tongue until it bleeds. One time, I came home from work, and Pam was in the flower garden, and, and, and she was planting flowers. And I said, hey, honey, I'm home. How are you? And she kind of gave me this dirty look like I'd done something wrong. You guys ever seen that look? It's like, you know the look, right? And, and I thought to myself, self, something must be awry what I do now. And in my flesh, I kind of wanted to respond with some sarcasm or some, some dig or some something. I my flesh would have said, do this. But in this moment, I did what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do. 
And I walked up to her in the flower garden and I took the shovel right out of her hand, not because I was afraid of her or anything. <laughs> and I said nothing. I shut my mouth and I hugged her. Matter of fact, think about this. Shut mouth, hug wife. You might want to write that down, men. Shut mouth. Just say it out loud, will you? Shut mouth, hug wife. Go ahead. Shut mouth, hug wife. Ladies, same thing for you. Shut mouth, hug husband. Our mouth gets us in more trouble than we can afford. A humble man bites his tongue. A humble woman holds back the contempt and the disrespect and the, and the constant accusation. Even if she's accurate, she... And I'm proud of my wife. She's worked hard on learning how and when to speak to me that's not hurtful and, and disrespectful. I'm not asking you to be silent. I'm asking you to be careful. There's a difference. God says be humble. Patience is at the core of humility. Use duct tape. Start with being humble. Number two, God says in this amazing formula, He says, seek me. Here it is. Humble yourself now because I did step one. Now that I did that, now I can seek Him. Well, seeking him and being humble kind of go hand in hand. Seek God. Seek him. This one really frustrates me. We live in a weird culture right now where you can Google anything. You're going to go online and you're going to Facebook and you're going to find out what other people are doing when their marriage is rocky. Guess what? That's not the right place to go because 99% of the stuff you see are gonna, is going to say this, get out. Get out of the marriage. You deserve better. And God goes, hey, seek me. Give it to me. God says, give me a chance. Will you, will you hand your marriage over to me? Will, will you just put it in my hands for a month? A year? Would you give me your marriage for five years? Can you, can you hang on? Can you let me show you my power, God says? And so many couples that I've met with from coast to coast are like, no, I just want out. I just want out. And I'll say, have you sought the word? Have you sought what God says in the Bible about marriage and divorce and covenant and forgiveness and loving those who hurt you and loving those who hate you? No, I just want out. And God's heart is broken. And he says, seek me. Seek me. I've had marriage issues. I've hurt my wife. We got into a big fight one night. I came... I went for a drive, I came home, and I go downstairs, and I noticed the Bible was laid open on the countertop upstairs. She'd been reading the Bible. That's pretty awesome. She turned to the Lord. I went downstairs, and she was watching a movie. She was sitting there, not looking at me. I sit down on the couch. I noticed the name of the movie was Anger Management. And I look at her, and a little grin just creeped in on her face. I said, was that for me or for you? And she goes, I think it was for both of us. Seek God. Seek Him in prayer. Seek Him in fasting. Seek Him by seeking others who love God. We've trained a lot of mentors this weekend in this church who are gifted and called, and, and they're passionate to walk with you all alone, and, they're, and they're, they're trained to meet with you all alone. It's confidential. And when you turn to somebody who loves God, and this is their moral compass, right? Turn to someone who this is their moral compass, when you turn to them, you are turning to God. You're seeking them, you are seeking God. 
because God is going to speak through them. I beg of you. I plead with you. So much is at stake in your life, your children's lives, and your children's children's lives. God says, just seek me. Then he goes into this third piece of his formula. Now that I've humbled myself and I've sought him and his spirit has spoken, now because of that, I can do step three. I can't do these out of order. I can't turn from my flesh and turn from my ways without humbling myself and seeking him. But now because I did those things, supernaturally, I'm now able to walk away from my flesh. My flesh is saying, get out of this marriage. But my spirit is saying, you hang in there and you love her anyway. Can you do that this morning? Can you take the, the name and the face of the person that hurt you, whether it's a parent, whether it's a friend, or whomever, and can you hand it over to Jesus and say, you know what, I'm going to forgive them so that I can live in the land of freedom. I'm no longer going to live in a prison cell that I created for myself called unforgiveness. So this is number three, turn from my ways. Turn for my ways. Matthew 13, 15, Jesus himself confirms the formula. He said, for these reasons, people's hearts have become calloused. They can't hear with their ears. They can't, they've closed their eyes. They can't see or hear. Otherwise, they would see and they would hear and they would understand and their, and their heart would open. And here Jesus says, and they would turn from their ways. <clears throat> and Jesus says this, they would turn from their ways and then I would heal them. Jesus himself confirmed the same formula. If we would just open our eyes and our ears to the Holy Spirit, let our hearts open and forgive and repent for our stuff, turn from our own ways, Jesus says, then, then I'll heal you. You see, a lot of us, we want it the other way around. We run to the altar, hey, heal me first, God. Heal me first, and then I'll be humble. Hey, God, heal me first, and then I'll forgive. Heal me first, and then I'll repent. God says, no. That's out of order. God says, you humble yourself and you seek me. You turn from this. Just turn from this. This isn't the husband I want to be. I I know me. I don't like me without Jesus. And I turn from it. And the Holy Spirit starts to heal. Can you do that this morning? Can you forgive? Can you live in the land of forgiveness? Can you repent? Can you give God a chance? Because he created the universe. He can fix your issue. This formula does not guarantee the other person is going to become an angel. It does not guarantee anything on the other person's part, but it does guarantee God will heal you. God will bless you. In your handouts this morning, we've inserted this little card. I'd like every single one of you to open it right now, please. Married or not, happy or not. This little bitty card, and it says, is this little card, and it says, we would like to get mentored. And what we'd like to do is everybody look at it right now. And we're going to ask you right now, as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I believe in providence. I believe that sometimes the Holy Spirit brings you right to this crossroad in this moment at this time, and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. And if your marriage needs a little bit of help or a lot, uh, maybe you just need a, you, you got something that's a recurring irritation that you'd love to just get it in your rearview mirror, or maybe your marriage is in deep trouble or somewhere in between. Sign the card. Just put your name and email on it. At the end of this service, I'd like every single one of you to turn that card in on the way out the door. Nobody's going to notice that you signed it. No no embarrassment. 
and we're going to connect you with another couple. They're going to meet with you all alone, one or two times, five times, six times, ten times, and it's confidential. And they're going to love on you. They're going to walk with you. They're going to cry with you. They're going to bleed with you. They're going to learn with you. We have thousands and thousands of mentors all over the world doing this. You see, God loves you, and he wants your marriage to be healthy. Because as goes your marriage, goes your calling. God has a calling on your life. And your marriage has everything to do with fulfilling the calling. It's the foundational piece. And so if my marriage is broken down, so is my calling. If you don't believe me, give me a call. I'll talk to you about all the pastors I've mentored over the years who've fallen into deep immoral sin or affairs and their marriages have crumbled. And let's talk about their calling after that. It has a tremendous impact. Your marriage represents so much more than just your happiness. I'll be at the table afterwards. I've got a couple things to help your marriage. I've got a little thing called date night cards. You get married, you go on a date, yell out loud. What are the top two things you talk about after you're married and you're on a date? Yell it out really loud. Talk about kids and money. That's very romantic. We call that a communication rut. So we created these little cards to help you talk about all kinds of other things. Your future, your past, your hopes, your dreams, your walk with Jesus, your small groups, your church, where you want to be, how are you going to get there, where have you been. I can answer your questions too about marriage mentoring if you need. And so I want to close with the final story. Hopefully you've seen my passion. Hopefully you've You've heard the message. Hopefully it's penetrated your heart. You might be thinking, yeah, Matt's probably not wrong, but he seems a little over the top. He seems a little bit extra charged up. It's a little over the top for me. Or you might be thinking, is there a deeper reason why Matt is so fired up? Is there a deeper reason that he walked away from a, a very good career in engineering and corporate world and, and, and sold everything to get into this ministry? Is there something else fueling him? If you ask me that question, my answer would be yes, there is a deeper reason. A guy came to me years ago. He said, I got married at a young age. My wife got pregnant at 14, and, and then we got married at the Justice of the Peace when she was 15. I was 19. I went off to the military, came back. We had another child, and our marriage got worse. It was a horrible way to start a marriage. And then they got saved. But their marriage got worse. They had another child and trying to make ends meet and he came home from work one night and there was a note on the refrigerator. It was from his wife. He said, I don't love you anymore. I, I'm leaving you. I'm going to go be with another man that I've been seeing. You can have the kids. And there he stood all alone, broken, wounded, betrayed, and he had one or two paths to choose, just like you and me. Every time somebody hurts you, every time somebody betrays you, we have one of two paths, not three, not more. We have one of two. We have this path led by the Holy Spirit of mercy and grace and forgiveness to say, God, would you intervene? God, would you do something here? I need you to heal my land. And that path is led by the Holy Spirit. But I see people taking this path all too often. I call it the path of contempt. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you in complete contempt for what you've done to me. I'm going to cut you out of my life, and I'm, gonna, I'm never going to speak to you again, and it's over. 
hardened heart, anger, bitterness, rage. And I don't know how or why, but here's what this man did. He got out his Bible, and he got down on his knees, and he said a prayer for her. And he said, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait, and I'm going to forgive, and I'm going to pray for her. And, and the months went on, and it was lonely, and his friends, his friends were telling him, get out. It's ridiculous that you're doing this. Divorce her. No. I'm going to stand on this. The months went by, and about a year later, he gets a knock at the door. And he opened it up, and there she stood. Tears running down her face. He grabbed her and brought her into his chest. He forgave her. She moves back in. God restored their marriage. They stayed married 60 years. Their marriage actually got great around year 25. They had four more sons. And one of those four sons is me. And that's my mom and my dad right there. My life wouldn't exist if my father hadn't loved my mother while she was with her lover for a year. My life wouldn't exist had he not humbled himself and sought God and turned from his own ways. I want you to know that there are so many miracles that happened afterwards. He did not know that he would have a 60-year marriage. He did not know that she would become the wife he always wanted at 25, 30 years. I would always say this, the best part of marriage is the second half. C.S. Lewis says it's the quietest, deepest most satisfying love you'll ever have when you get to the second half. It's beautiful. Can you just get there? I used to call my dad after every trip. Hey, Dad, I was in California, New York. Dad, I was in Texas. Dad, I was in Phoenix. Hey, Dad, we got now like 13,000, 14,000 people that are chasing after Jesus, chasing after marriage, Dad. They're trained. They're gifted, Dad. We got an army. And hey, Dad, it's because of you. It's because you love my mom before I was born. You see, your marriage isn't just about you. It's about your children, their calling, their children. But I can't call my dad anymore because he passed away. You should have been there. Knowing their history... I'm sitting in the corner of the room with all my siblings, knowing my father's about to let out his last breath, and he does at 80 years old. And my mother collapses on his body, and she lets out this roar. She's like, no, God, you promised me. You promised me you wouldn't take him from me. And I sat in the corner in awe that God could take them from no hope all, to, all the way to this beautiful moment where my mother couldn't even fathom one day without her husband. That is the power of our God. Let's pray. Father, this morning, there might be some couples here that need you. They need your healing, Lord. Would you give them the courage to sign a little piece of paper to get them connected to a couple so they can humble themselves and seek you and turn from the, the path that they're on for your glory, for their calling, and for their children's legacy, Lord. Would you bless this church? Would you bless the mentors, Lord? Would you let this be the greatest lighthouse in this community? Would you draw people unto you? We thank you. We give you all the glory in your holy name. We pray. Amen.
Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.